Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Mystic Show. Good morning, good day, good afternoon, good evening. Really depends on where you are in the world. But we are here in New Jersey, which is a suburb of New York City. And uh, today is actually October 7th. 2013, and um, welcome to the Mystic Show. Have you seen our website yet? It is themysticshow.net, themysticshow.net, and um, we're also on Twitter as well, at The Mystic Show. And we have a phone number here, so you can call us and uh, comment, or if you have a question or a comment, You know, we talk about a lot of different topics on this show. We talk about spirituality, mindfulness, meditation, really all kinds of uh, otherworldly topics, things you usually can't see with your eyes, although I, I guess some people can see some pretty awesome things with their eyes. In, from the spirit world, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so our phone number, 973-498-8033. And you can go to the webpage, uh, themysticshow.net, and you'll see all that, All you'll, you'll see the phone number there. We also have a Skype, you can Skype us as well, but I'm actually still trying to figure out how to, uh, how to have that, on the air as well as play my musical interludes and everything. I think I need another computer. (laughs) So, and by the way, I don't know if you know, on Sundays, on Sunday mornings, New York City time, uh, from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Sunday mornings, Eastern time, we play uh, the Mystic Marathon. We play all five episodes from the previous week. We play them all back to back, so it's a five-hour mystic marathon on Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. So I hope you all had a, a wonderful weekend. You know, I I was pretty busy this weekend, actually. We had a meetup for Pause Your Life. And if you're not familiar, Pause Your Life is an organization that hosts meetups and retreats. And the whole idea is to hit the pause button on your life. Because modern day life can be so crazy and relentless and nonstop. And sometimes you just need a break. Jeez, you know? Hit the pause button. Anyway, we do that. We have meetups and we have retreats. And we had a meetup on Friday night and... My goodness, what a wonderful group of people. You know, I think there's a handful of, of or maybe two handfuls of regulars who um, who are coming to almost all the Pause Your Life meetups, and they are all just wonderful people. And the way we do it, you know, the meetup has a, an agenda, or I should say, um, yeah, well, there's an agenda. We do certain activities. And um, and really helpful in helping people to lay down all that baggage that they're carrying. 
and for a time being, just be themselves, be a human being. I think our topic on Friday was uh, prayer. So we got to talk about prayer. We had a little reading, and everyone got to give their opinion on prayer, what, how they started prayer, how they learned about prayer. It was very cool. So many different angles, uh, points of view, actually. And uh, one thing that sticks out in my mind is um, Dr. Chris, who was here with us as well, Dr. Chris Stepien, he mentioned how um, there's a Hawaiian shaman, or and they he may they may I think they call shaman in Hawaii uh, kahunas. Anyway, he he this this shaman in Hawaii said that. You don't really have to, uh, if you want to change a habit or something, if you want to change something, um, you don't really need to change it on the outside. He said you just go into your mind, and he says your mind is like a garden, and the negative habits are like weeds, and you literally just take the that bad habit and weed it. Just pull out the weed and throw it away, and that's it. You're done. Right, so a lot of few people in the meetup were like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go home and do some weeding." It was pretty cool. We also uh, mentioned a lot of several movies and books that were really inspiring to each of us. And I think on our meetup page, uh, some of the members have been posting the books and they mentioned, and also um, the movies they mentioned. So if you want to go to the meetup page. Even if you're not in northern New Jersey or in this area, you can still see the meetup page and see the discussion and everything. So so check that out. My wife and I went hiking on, uh, uh, what was that, Saturday. And um, we went up here to this Pyramid Mountain. You know, it's like a county park. And there's all these different trails. We had a nice hike, and we expected to be hiking for about an hour and a half. But um, due to a little trouble finding the trail at times, we... um, Well, and plus we were trying to see this waterfall, which was like almost the furthest thing you can possibly hike to. So... And and we were going on a trail that we've never gone before. And literally this trail was like, I mean, at times it was like barely a footpath through like heavy brush. So it, it at times it was hard to see where the trail was actually. Plus a lot of the leaves have been falling because it's autumn. And so we got lost a couple times. You know, temporarily lost, not really lost. And uh, so we were going to see this waterfall, and then finally we get to the waterfall or get to the river and the bridge right where the waterfall is supposed to be, and we don't see anything. So we kept walking. And then we were walking and walking, and we said, you know what? Well, something's wrong here. We This is too far. We went too far. So we turned around, and we found we came across this woman who was uh, bringing her two dogs through the woods. And, um, 
it's funny. She let them off the leash. And when we were near the river, all of a sudden you heard all this rustling of leaves and some running. And these two dogs came running down the hill and just literally straight for the water. They both went right in the water. They didn't really jump in either. They just kind of, they ran to the water and they just slowly walked in the water and they were, you know, actually drinking some of the water. But, uh, they, they just really wanted to be in the water. It was a little hot that day. So anyway, we asked the woman, we said, where, where's the waterfall? And she said, oh, you passed it. It should be right there. But she said it hasn't been raining enough. There's not enough water. So there's no, you know, there's no waterfall. She said, you know, come back in the spring after it rains a lot. Anyway, so we went and looked at the riverbed and, you know, I don't know. We, it, you know, there, we thought we saw the area where there might be a waterfall, but it was hard to see. Anyway, so I have, so the, our hike, instead of being an hour and a half, turned out to be three hours. We were starving, thirsty, exhausted. It was, but it was, you know, Luckily, it wasn't. Uh, it w- we handled it. It was okay. We w- we went immediately and ate lunch, and we were fine. And then um, the other thing that happened over the weekend, I thought was very very interesting, was um, on Sunday after our meditation group, one of our uh, one of our co-meditators his name is Satya he actually has called the show a few times he gave us a little demonstration of the the physical yoga that he does I think it's called Ashtanga yoga and I think it's a certain type of Ashtanga yoga but he did probably 20 or 25 minutes of a routine or or a workout or I don't know what you would call it and it was impressive I mean I mean he's kind of like a skinny guy but he's been doing this yoga for, I think, more than 10 years. So he was doing things and he was very flexible. And so he was showing us and then he kind of taught us the first move. So we'll probably get, you know, start start trying some of those moves a little slowly, get a little flexibility. It's going to take a while. That's the thing. I mean, when he did it, it looked really easy, but you could just tell that it's got to take, I mean, literally years to be able to do some of that stuff. He said there's one move that it took him six years to before he could do it right. I mean, how is that for persistence and perseverance? He was doing the yoga every day for six years before he could even do this this one uh, this one move properly. So that's that's pretty impressive. So that's a little bit about my weekend. If you, you know, if you want to call up and tell me how your weekend was, if you had any experiences outdoors in nature, any spiritual experience, experiences. We actually stopped by and saw uh my niece and nephews yesterday as well. So they're I think they're four, two, and almost one. And that was just a lot of fun. What a bunch of good kids, you know? And I like reading to kids. I like saying, hey, where's the books? Let's sit down and read. Because 
you know, I think there's enough TV watching and enough of everything else going on that when, you know, uncle comes over, aunt and uncle come over, you know, it's good. Let's sit down and read. Let's learn something. Let's relax, calm down. So that was a lot of fun. So I don't know if you realize this, but we're going to jump now to the Byways of Blessedness book by James Allen. He's the English mystic we've been reading from, his book Byways of Blessedness. And we are on chapter nine, which is called Abiding Joy. Abiding Joy. Yeah, the last chapter was called Seeing No Evil. And that it took I think it took three or four shows to read to get through that chapter. Um, and there's a nice discussion at the end of it as well, um, in the chapter. Uh, but this chapter is called Abiding Joy. And again, chapter nine, there's only 14 chapters in this book. So we're kind of getting near the end. So let's maybe get a little comfortable. And like I mentioned before, you know, as we read through this James Allen book, um, and you're listening a lot of people listen to this show while they're walking or working out or hiking or, you know, cooking. Um, but if you're just kind of home relaxing, um, you may want to just, you know, close your eyes and listen and just relax, you know. Just really, really relax and, and listen. And if don't do that if you're driving, but <laughs> if you're home... <laughs> So here we go. Chapter 9, Abiding Joy, from Byways of Blessedness, by James Allen. Abiding Joy. Is there such a thing? Where is it? Who possesses it? Yea, there is such a thing. It is where there is no sin. It is possessed by the pure-hearted. As darkness is a passing shadow, and light is substance that remains, so sorrow is fleeting, but joy abides forever. No true thing can pass away and become lost. No false thing can remain and be preserved. Sorrow is false and it cannot live. Joy is true and it cannot die. Joy may become hidden for a time, but it can be always be recovered. Sorrow may remain for a period, but it can be transcended and dispersed. Do not think your sorrow will remain. It will pass away like a cloud. Do not believe that the torments of sin are ever your portion. They will vanish like a hideous nightmare. Awake! Arise, be holy and joyful. 
You are the creator of your own shadows. You desire and then you grieve. Renounce and then you all rejoice. You are not the impotent slave of sorrow. The never-ending gladness awaits your homecoming. You are not the helpless prisoner of the darkness and dreams of sin. Even now, the beautiful light of holiness shines upon your sleeping lids, ready to greet your awakening vision. In the heavy, troubled sleep of sin and self, the abiding joy is lost and forgotten. Its undying music is no more heard, and the fragrance of its fadeless flowers no longer cheers the heart of the wayfarer. But when sin and self are abandoned, when the clinging to things for personal pleasure is put away, then the shadows of grief disappear, and the heart is restored to its imperishable joy. Joy comes and fills the self-emptied heart. It abides with the peaceful. Its reign is with the pure. Joy flees from the selfish. It deserts the quarrelsome. It is hidden from the impure. Joy is, as an angel, so beautiful and delicate and chaste that she can only dwell with holiness. She cannot remain with selfishness. She is wedded to love. Every man is truly happy in so far as he is unselfish. He is miserable in so far as he is selfish. All truly good men, and by good men I mean those who have fought victoriously the battle against self, are men of joy. How great is the jubilation of the saint. No true teacher promises sorrow as the ultimate of life. He promises joy. He points to sorrow, but only as a process which sin has rendered necessary. Where self ends, grief passes away. Joy is the companion of righteousness. In the divine life, tender compassion fills the place where weeping sorrow sat. During the process of becoming unselfish, there are periods of deep sorrow. Purification is necessarily severe. 
all becoming is painful. Abiding joy in its completion is realized only in the perfection of being. And this is a state where all is loveliness and power and love with all sublimest qualities of mind where all enjoy entire dominion over themselves acts feelings thoughts conditions qualities consider how a flower evolves and becomes at first there is a little germ groping its way in the dark soil towards the upper light. Then the plant appears, and leaf is added unto leaf. And finally the perfected flower appears, in the sweet perfume and chaste beauty of which all effort ceases. So, with human life, At first, the blind groping for the light in the dark soil of selfishness and ignorance. Then, the coming into the light and the gradual overcoming of selfishness with its accompanying pain and sorrow. And finally, the perfect flower of a pure, unselfish life, giving forth, without effort, the perfume of holiness and the beauty of joy. The good, the pure, are the superlatively happy. However men may argumentatively deny or qualify this, humanity instinctively knows it to be true. Do not men everywhere picture their angels as the most joyful of beings? There are joyful angels in bodies of flesh. We meet them and pass on. And how many of those who come in contact with them are sufficiently pure to see vision within the form? to see the incorruptible angel in its common instrument of clay. Yes, the pure are the joyful. We look almost in vain for any expressions of sorrow in the words of Jesus. The man of sorrows is only completed in the man of joy. In sin, and in the struggle against sin, there is unrest and affliction. But in the perfection of truth, in the path of righteousness, there is abiding joy. Tribulation lasts only so long as there remains some chaff of self which needs to be removed. The tribulum, or threshing machine, ceases to work when all the grain is separated from the chaff. 
And when the last impurities are blown away from the soul, tribulation has completed its work, and there is no more need for it. Then abiding joy is realized. All the saints and prophets and saviors of the race have proclaimed with rejoicing the gospel or the good news. All men know what good news is. An impending calamity avoided, a disease cured, friends arrived or returned in safety, difficulties overcome, success in some enterprise assured. But what is the good news of the saintly ones? This, that there is peace for the troubled, healing for the afflicted, gladness for the grief-stricken, victory for the sinful, a homecoming for the wanderer, and joy for the sorrowing and broken-hearted. Not that these beautiful realities shall be in some future world, but they are here and now, that they are known and realized and enjoyed, and are, therefore, proclaimed that all may accept them who will break the galling bonds of self and rise into the glorious liberty of unselfish love. Seek the highest good, and as you find it, as you practice it and realize it, you will taste the deepest, sweetest joy. As you succeed in forgetting your own selfish desires in your thoughtfulness for others, in your care for others, in your service for others, just so far and no further will you find and realize the abiding joy in life. Inside the gateway of unselfishness lies the Elysium of abiding joy, and whosoever will may enter in, whosoever doubts, let him come and see. And knowing this, that selfishness leads to misery, unselfishness to joy, not merely for oneself alone, for if this were all how unworthy could be our endeavors, but for the whole world, and because all with whom we live and come in contact will be the happier and truer for our unselfishness. Because humanity is one, and the joy of one is the joy of all. Knowing this, let us scatter flowers and not thorns in the common ways of life. Yea, even in the highway of our enemies, let us scatter the blossoms of unselfish love. So shall the pressure in their footprints fill the air 
with the perfume of holiness and gladden the world with the aroma of joy. Okay, that's Abiding Joy. Chapter 9. Wow, let's just, let's take a breath. Thank you to Pearl Jam. Song is called Release. That was off of their album 10. That was from 19, geez, 91, 92. And arguably their best album by far, actually. Not even by a little, (laughs) by far. So welcome back, everyone, to The Mystic Show. Our website is www.themysticshow.net and there's links to everything there, including our Twitter, including our phone number. You know, did you know that we have a phone number you can call us? Yep, if you want to comment on any of this, any of the topics we're discussing, or if you have a question, give a call. You can just ask a question and then hang up. You don't have to stay on for <laughs> for 20 minutes and talk. But you can if you want, if we have time. So, yes, that chapter on abiding joy is very good. I mean, I just, again, how can you follow that up with casual commenting on it? It just doesn't make sense. But I'm very glad we can share James Allen's reading his book on this show. He has been an inspiration to me for many years, and this book, Byways of Blessedness, is is one of the greats. That's uh, understating it a lot. So, actually, what I wanted to mention now is... Um, I talked about pause your life at the beginning of the show. Um, and it, the web, I don't know if I mentioned the website though, but if you want to learn about the meetups and the retreats, um, the website is pauseyourlife.org. So it's pauseyourlife.org. And you can also sign up for the daily pause email list in which you'll get an email every morning with an inspirational quote And it'll give you that little excuse you need to pause. Pause for 30 seconds every morning. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but 
If you try it, you'll see. So, also, you can, through our website, themysticshow.net, you can uh, send us any, on a contact us page, you can send us a note, send us a comment. You don't have to call. You can send a comment. You can request certain topics. If you know someone who might be a good guest on this show, go ahead and send me their name. Why not? If somebody has a good message, I'd like to hear it. So about, I'd say, 15 years ago, I read a book called In Search of Schrodinger's Cat. Yeah, by John Gribben. And it's it's one of the greatest books I've ever read, and it was actually my first serious introduction to quantum physics. And now these days, you know, quantum physics is being mentioned a lot in the self-help industry, you know, in the movies and the DVDs and the books about self-help. A lot of people are referencing quantum physics because it sort of helps prove the point that we create our reality, basically. And it's funny how, you know, the mystics throughout time have always told us that we create our own reality. Um, but only some people believe that. But now, since there's some scientific evidence that helps support that, it's funny how a lot more people take it seriously now uh, because there is a little scientific support. And, you know, that's understandable for sure. Um, but it just goes to show you that a lot of times what's we might not believe the truth because it hasn't been quote-unquote proven yet, but it's still the truth. So that's why we each have to go inside ourselves and meditate on these things and really try to understand for ourselves if it's true or not and have the corresponding experiences that we can call our own proof. And people prove it all the time in, in the self-help world and in the, the coaching world, the business coaching world. People set goals. They develop a vision. They write it down. They read it every day. They think about it in detail. And guess what? It usually comes to pass. <laughs> now, that's very simple. But if you think about what that person did or what you've done, you've created something. Which is kind of inspirational, right? So there's some... Right? There's some power, some something going on here with our consciousness that's pretty powerful. Um, so I was reading this book by John Gribben in search of Schrodinger's cat, and I was learning about quantum physics, and what I wanted to relate today is an experiment which was done, which basically sums up the whole gist of quantum physics. 
I mean, it doesn't really sum it all up, but it really shows one of the main uh, principles that quantum physics has revealed. And when you think about it in terms of our own lives, it's pretty mind-boggling. In, in fact, it's really hard to understand. I think one of the famous quantum physicists said, if quantum physics, you know, doesn't confuse you and, and, and leave you in awe, then you really, you're not even close to understanding it. <laughs> so it's almost, it's hard to understand from a, and, and by the way, quantum physics, for those of you who don't know, is the study of quantum particles, like electrons and protons, and it, it's the particles within atoms that quantum physics studies. And even much more finer uh, um, protons and, and particles like real like like an electron is first of all an atom is really small really 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 small an electron is like way like a uh, 10,000 or a million times smaller than that and then you have these particles that make up the electron which are a million times smaller than that so it's not just an atom it's like a zillion times smaller than atoms which is what these particles Anyhow, when they study these particles, they kind of, they've been finding out some strange things. And this one experiment I'm going to tell you about right now kind of puts it in a good perspective. So it's called the two-hole experiment. The two-hole experiment. So what you want to picture is um, a wall, okay? Let's pretend we have a, a gun that shoots photons. Now, photons is our light, actually. You know, um, like light from the sun or light from any source is just photons, and that's a really, really small particle. So let's pretend you have a gun that shoots light, right? It's like a, like a, like a flashlight. Think of a flashlight. So you have a flashlight that's pointing at a wall, and now this wall has two holes in it. One's on the left, one's on the right. And let's say they're both about, you know, five feet off the ground. It doesn't really matter. So one hole is on the left, one hole is on the right, and you're shining a light at that wall. Now, obviously, some of that light is going to go through the left hole, and some of that light is going to go through the right hole, right? Make sense? So now what we can picture is, so we have the flashlight pointing at the wall with two holes. Now picture on the other side of that, let's say like 10 or 20 feet away, there's another wall. So now some of the light from the flashlight is going to go through the two holes and it's going to shine on the other wall 10 or 20 feet away, right? So that's the setup for the experiment. Now, when, when they studied this with particles. So what I've told you so far is there's a flashlight shining light on the wall and going through the two holes. But what they did in the experiment was they, instead of a flashlight that's continually streaming light, photons, 
they just would shoot one photon at a time. So think of it like a gun, like a bullet. They'll shoot one photon, and it would come out of the gun, and where would it go? Well, logic says that if you only shoot one photon out of the gun, it's either going to hit the wall and bounce back or something, or it's going to go through the left hole, or it's going to go through the right hole, right? I mean, it's only one particle. It can only go one place, right? Okay, well, what they found was that, and and I'll explain a little more, but these light actually behaves as a wave sometimes, and it behaves as a particle some other times. Now, that's confusing because, well, is it a wave or a particle? Well, it's both. It depends. <laughs> so, anyhow, this is what this experiment is going to explain to you. So, again, if it's... So, back to our gun with the one photon coming out, it's just like a bullet. It's going to go through one hole or not. But let's say instead of shooting a photon now, you let's say it was water. And, and you, you're not shooting water. Let's say it's like a, a lake and you make a ripple on the lake and the ripple is going to go through both. You know, when you, when you drop a stone into the lake, it makes those circles and they just keep spreading out, spreading out. So picture one of those circles of water spreading out and hitting the wall. It's going to go through both holes, right? Because it's a wave. It, it's long. And then on the other wall in the back, it's going to register a what they call an interference pattern. So each hole is going to let some of the waves through, and then the waves are going to kind of mix with each other, and it's going to create this pattern on the wall in the back. So that's wave interference. So that's when it acts as a wave. When it acts as a particle, it's like the gun that shoots one photon, and it's either going to go through the left hole or the right hole, and in so on the on the second wall, you're either going to see a, that a photon hit the wall on the left side or the right side, right? Because you're only shooting one photon. The bullet can only go through one of the holes, and it's going to leave a hole in the other wall as well. So that's when it acts as a particle. All right? So hopefully that wasn't too confusing. And now we're going to get to the whole thing that's going to scramble your brain. So... Sometimes, well, here's the thing. When they were shooting light through the two, when they were shooting light one particle at a time, you'd, you'd think it would make only one bullet hole in the, in the second wall, right? But it didn't. Even though they shot one particle at a time, it still looked like a wave interference pattern on the other wall. So that, first of all, that doesn't make sense because if it's just one photon at a time, how can it interfere with itself? It's only one. So that's a little weird. But here's the thing. Then what they did was they took one of the holes in the wall, right? And they put a little sensor on the hole. And they said, okay, let's say, let's pretend it's the left hole and they put a little sensor on there and they say okay now if the if the photon goes through this hole we're going to register it we're going to it's going to sense it we have a sensor that's going to say yep it went through this hole as soon as they put that sensor 
on the left hole? That's all. That's the only change they made to the whole experiment. They put the sensor on the left hole, which would sense if the particle went through that hole. And then immediately, it, the photons started acting like a particle and not a wave. And all they did was start observing one of the holes. And as soon as they stop observing that hole, they take the sensor away from the left hole, all of a sudden it acts like a wave again. So, the, the part that's going to scramble your brain is that the fact that we observe, we're not even, we're not even uh, tampering with the experiment. We're just observing one little thing. But, but us observing that one little thing changes the whole experiment. I mean, it, so it's somehow our consciousness, when I'm the scientist, if I'm the experimenter, right? Let's pretend I'm the scientist. My consciousness is actually affecting the experiment. So now that's pretty crazy because where, do, where does that end? Like we think of science as like, oh, you just do an experiment and, you know, you're the scientist, but then there's your experiment and they're two separate things. But quantum physics proves that, no, it's not two separate things. So basically, the scientist is connected to his experiment and he's affecting his experiment. On some level of consciousness that we don't know, we don't understand yet. So, the, the scientist and the experiment are one, in a way, and, and so where does that end? I'm telling the story about the scientist who was doing the experiment, so am I, now I'm part of it too. <laughs> My consciousness is involved. So, in some way, I am changing that experiment. So, it's pretty crazy, It'll, it kind of blows your mind, it'll scramble your brain, but the point is that in our lives, in every situation in our lives, we are part of that situation and we have an impact on that situation. We're not separate from any situation. <laughs> our consciousness actually affects every situation, every circumstance. You can change something from a particle to a light wave with your with your attention, your consciousness. So that's just a little overview of the two hole experiment, and um, I I hope I explained it <laughs> simply enough. So it, it's pretty simple. I think you could understand it, but I mean the uh, the repercussions of that effect are huge, and and we can talk more about that. In future shows, if we if we want to get a little more into physics, uh, but really it's about consciousness, right? So there you have it. Now you can tell everybody today that you had a lesson in quantum physics, <laughs> and tell them about the two-hole experiment. Tell them that they're a light wave and they're a particle at the same time. 
All right, let's just take a short break, and we'll be right back with The Mystic Show. Runs down the staircase and into the yard And she goes down to the end of the drive With her friends on the phone All right, thank you to Mark Cohn. Mark Cohn, that song is called She's Becoming Gold. And Mark Cohn is actually somebody uh, whose records I worked on way back almost 20 years ago now. In fact, the first session I was really a part of was was one of his uh, sessions. I learned how to align the tape machine. Every morning, I'd have to I'd help the other engineer align this tape machine. <laughs> you know, that's what you when you're an intern, you got to learn, you know, you start with the basics. <laughs> but I was happy just to be in the real studio on a real session. It, and this was before the this was before everyone showed up. This was like two hours before we were just getting ready for the session, and I still felt great. So, welcome back to the Mystic Show. TheMysticShow.net is our website. And uh, yeah, so I hope the quantum physics segment didn't you know overwhelm you. <laughs> but anyway, that book. Uh, in Search of Schrodinger's Cat is a great, great book. You know what I should, well, no, I'm thinking maybe I should uh, put a picture of the two-hole experiment on, on the post today. If I can find one, I'll do that. That might be difficult to find one, actually. All right, I'll try. I'll try. But but by the time you're hearing this, the post will be up. So if you see a if you see a picture there, then I found one. And if you don't, then I really I couldn't find one. <laughs> All right. So I just want to read from. We haven't revisited this book in a while. This is called Three Sixty Five Dao, Daily Meditations by Deng Ming Dao, and this is a book again that has for every day of the year, it has an entry which is basically one word. Then there's like a little two or, you know, two sentence poem type thing. And then there's a a two or three paragraph explanation on each page. And plus that each day of the year has its own page. So for instance, October 7th, which is today, the word is measure and it's on page 280. Uh, so that's measure, but we're going to actually read the one from October 1st, which is called solitude. And of course, solitude is, it's the, it's the balance of, well, I should say it's the balancer of being with other people. So being with other people is good, but being by yourself is good too. And both of them sort of balance each other. Uh, and of course, the issue 
well, the issue always, I was going to say the issue in the modern day, but I'm sure it's been an issue forever, is that I think people really avoid being with themselves. You know, instead of just being with themselves or being in solitude or maybe meditating, you know, we have a habit. We either smoke or we drink or we surf the web or we, you know, we play on our iPhone or Android phone, right? We're always filling up that time with something, reading, you know, reading the wrong thing obviously is worse, but just being in solitude, being with yourself is, uh, is incredibly effective in balancing, balancing our lives. So this little, little entry here is called solitude. And, um, yeah, I'll just go ahead and read it. This is the, the poem part of it. There are no ancients before me, no followers behind, only the vastness of heaven and earth on this mountain terrace. Though heaven may know the ultimate, joy or sorrow is our own will. Now I'll read the uh, paragraphs. We stand alone in this life. No one lives our life for us. Neither drug nor sorcery can remove us, even from a moment, from our own life. We can deny it, but it is useless. We are here alone to engage every precious moment according to our wills. The precedence of the ancients may be helpful, but in the end, they are only references. The thought of those who will follow after us is likewise merely a consideration. What matters is being, pure being. Accept who you are. Be who you are. If there are gods in the heavens, maybe they know the future. As a human being, I can only say that the future is yet to be made. Let us go forth and make it. But let us make it as beautifully as we can. The degree of elegance is determined by our will and the perfection of our own personalities. Therefore, do not sigh over misfortune or adversity. Whether you are happy or sad is entirely up to you. All right, there you have it. Solitude from 365 Dow. Right? Whether you are happy or sad is entirely up to you. And I think if we're not really skilled at controlling our own state, um, meaning, let's say you're, you're feeling a little sad or depressed or something, 
something negative. It seems to be a skill to pull yourself out of that and get into a positive state or at least a neutral state. Actually, it's my thought lately that the neutral state is the best. Actually, I want to do a whole nother segment on that, which I, I, okay. So, but whatever state you're in, if you want to move into a more positive state, there's ways to do that. And there's many different techniques. I mean, that's pretty much what the whole self-help movement is all about. Different skills of how we can put ourselves in the proper state. Because we know when we're in the proper state, then we'll take the proper action. Because if you feel good, then you're, you'll take some good action. Or I should say, the action you take will be good. But if you feel bad, then it's hard to, to, to do good actions. So that's uh, that's a little bit from 365 Dow. I really like that solitude, and it reminds me of the Pause Your Life uh, retreats as well. So I think tomorrow we're going to talk about, uh, well, we got a couple really cool topics, and we're going to have um, some other guests on this week as well. And of course, Friday we'll probably have Mystic Maria back on the show as well. I mean, did you hear her appearance on Friday? This past Friday, we were talking about books, spiritual books. I mean, that was really, that was something. So thanks to Maria again for that. So for you, as we end the show today, you're going to move into your day, the rest of your day. And hopefully you'll do it in the right state. And hopefully this show helps you get into that right state. Maybe think about some topics that are really valuable topics instead of some of the other choices you have, like the depressing news. So until next time, I wish you well and keep shining. <laughs>